Hey church, welcome to Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Cody Mahaffey and I'm the connections and group pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So our mission here is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help draw you near to the person of Jesus. Be challenged and encouraged by his word and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you really are in him. Amen. Well, happy Easter, everyone. It's just good to see all of you here in person. It's also good to have you if you're joining and watching online, whether you're here in Grand Rapids or you're traveling afar. It's just good to be with you and celebrate, just like Janith was saying, just like we were worshiping. Uh, it's just, it's great to be with you this Easter. Uh, one thing I wanted to share with you right at the top is I'm late all the time. Uh, in fact, I'm late so much. Sometimes it's one of those, it's like that cloud, that thing that you're always thinking about. You're always wondering, like, was I... Was, it, was this the time I was supposed to be there? Was this the time I was supposed to show up? Uh, whether it's work-related, whether it's a doctor's appointment, wh- whatever it is, I'm always wondering, am I on time or am I actually late right now? Uh, the worst story that I have of this, I'm sure you have a story too, the worst story I have of being late uh, is I decided for the first time in 10 years I'm gonna run a 5K. So I trained for it, right? Not running, not my jam, not my gig, not what I enjoy. I mean, it's, I've told people, if you see me running, there's a problem. So I start running, I train all of three and a half weeks and I set it up. So I knew my date, the running, the race for this was September 24th of 2022, this last fall. I knew September 24th, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. So I'm prepping, I'm running, I'm practicing, I'm training. Well, I show up, I, I'm so excited the day, the day before, I remember laying in bed next to Shannon and I turn over to her, my wife and I go, I finally understand what it's like being an Olympic athlete. Like, I'm so excited tomorrow, I'm gonna be on time, I'm gonna be dialed in, I'm gonna run my race, I'm gonna hit my goal, I just wanna finish, that's what I wanna do. So I remember, I'm like, I'm ready for it. I show up that next day and I show, it was the red flannel run in Cedar Springs. I was like, these are my people, right? People that don't take running seriously. Like, you wear flannel when you run, I'll run with you. That was kind of my criteria. So I show up and I get there early, right? Because I know, I'm late all the time, I get there early, I drive up, I park, and I walk out, and I'm like looking at the map going, I swear it's right here. This is where the tent is supposed to be. I'm not seeing the tent. I'm not seeing the people. I start walking around. Everything else is set up, right? The carnival and all that. And I'm walking around, look at where's the check-in tent? Where's the check-in tent? Where, nobody I'm talking to knows anything that I'm talking about. Somebody says, here's a phone number. Call the customer service line. So I call up the customer service line, and I go, hey, I'm here for my race, and I made a point. I was early. I'm early. Am I so early that they're not even set up yet? And she says this what race? I was like, I'm looking at my registration. Don't you pull that card on me. Like, I'm here, I'm early, I'm on time. There's a 5K that I'm running today. And she goes, are you talking about the race that was last week? I was like, no, I'm talking about the race that's today. I was like, I'm, I'm looking at it. And she goes, sir, read the date on your ticket. And so I go, okay, the date says September 24th, 2022. And she goes, "Uh uh-huh, worst customer service lady ever. She goes, "Uh uh-huh, today's October 1st. Anything else I can help you with? (laughs) Most shameful moment, the entire process. I say this right after, didn't think about it. I go, can I still have my medal? (laughs) I'm a millennial, right? I just want my participation. She straight up says, no. (laughs) Click. I hate being late. I hate it. 
you know, got razzed by Shannon when I got home. Judah, my four-year-old, like, Dad, you told us you were running a race, and you didn't. I said, wrong, child. I took a selfie. I said, your dad's so fast, he got first place. First place overall, I beat everybody out there, number one. He's, wow, Dad, you're fast. I hate being late. I hate it so much. All of us have stories of being late. We all have something that we relate to that we wish we could get back. Maybe it's just showing up for work. It's the normal Monday morning, get there on time. Sometimes it's, it's something more important than that. Like you're late to somebody else's wedding or you're late to a funeral. Maybe you're late to a doctor's appointment. Sometimes the, the consequences of being late are so great though that we ascribe the title to it, you are too late. You ever have a too late in your life? Like too late, getting there for the birth of your child, too late getting there for maybe a funeral for a loved one, maybe too late getting there before you could even say goodbye to a loved one. All of us have a story of something that, that we were late for or late to, or maybe somebody else in our life was late to for us. But here, here's just a question I wanna ask. Has God ever been late in your life? Have you ever asked God for something and needed him to show up at a specific time and then he didn't and he was too late? I'm gonna ask you to make a decision today. At the end of our message, I'm gonna ask you to make a decision because Easter is either this kind of weird, funny holiday about bunnies and eggs and candy and scavenger hunts. It's either this this weird manufactured, I don't know why we do it, but we just do it type of holiday, or it's the most important event in history, and we need to, to leverage our entire lives based on what happened on this day. It's either one or the other, but it's not just nice. I'm gonna ask you at the end of the service today to make a decision and it's up to you. Don't make it for anybody else. Make it just for you. The passage that we're in today, it's John chapter 11. We're closing out this series that we've been in. Uh, and Jesus makes a number of different statements uh, and they're I am statements. So as Jesus is teaching his disciples and teaching the people that follow him, Jesus says, I am, and then he would exclaim who he was. He was the bread of life, or he was the door, he was the good shepherd. Well, today we're closing with the most important statement that he did make, and we'll get there in a second. John chapter 11, here's the story for today. Verse one, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now just catch this, okay? They have a loved one. His name is Lazarus. He's their brother. They care about him. He doesn't have the sniffles. He doesn't have a cold. He doesn't have a sore throat. He's dying. And it's so bad that they send word to Jesus because they know Jesus, they, they know it. he's a good friend of theirs. They love Jesus. Jesus loves them. They send word to Jesus, and the word goes like this, please come now. We add lib here, please don't be late. He's really not good. We know you could heal him. We know you could help him. We know you could bring total healing. We know you could save him from death. Please come now. Here's what happened. When he heard this, talking about Jesus, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Catch that. Jesus loved them. Loved them. 
so dearly. And the reason I bring highlight or focus to this is because the next thing we read is gonna insinuate that maybe he doesn't. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days and then said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Not the response you would expect from Jesus. I mean, Jesus, if we're great friends, right? If we're close, if we have that relationship that, that we thought we had, surely if we send for you and we need you now because our brother's life is on the line, surely you will drop everything and show up at our door. Surely you'll be here in an instant. Surely you will make it the number one priority of your life. And Jesus does not. Stays where he's at. Doesn't move. He's only one day's journey away. And here's what happens. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Jesus shows up, Jesus enters the scene, and Lazarus is already buried for four days. What are you feeling if you're Mary and Martha? I mean, besides the utter disappointment, grief, sadness, loss, what, what are you feeling toward Jesus? Maybe they're angry. Maybe they're confused. Maybe they're just stumped going, this was our brother. And you show up four days after he's been in the tomb. Martha even says this to Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How about that? Here's Jesus, whom you love, right in front of you. And I, I can just picture her going, if you were here, he'd be alive. We'd still be laughing and joking We'd still be dreaming together. We'd, we'd still be excited for life. We'd still be, we'd still be this group, right? Like the four of us, when we hang out, it's just fun and it's life-giving. Jesus, you were late and he died. You ever prayed a prayer like that? God, if you had been there, this wouldn't have happened. God, if you had been there, they would have caught the cancer earlier and there would have been other treatment options and it would be a totally different reality. God, if you had been there. God, if you had been there when I asked you to be there, our marriage could have been saved. It wouldn't have ended the way that it did. I would still have custody, full custody, 100% time with my kids, but now I don't. Now it's too far, it's too gone. God, if you had been there, but you weren't. God, if you had been there, I never would have signed the papers. I never would have moved there. I never would have moved in with that person. I never would have ended up in the situation that I was in, and I would never have walked and traveled the path that I've been on now. God, if you would have been there, none of this would have ever happened in this stage or phase or position that I am now stuck in in life. If you had been there, I wouldn't be here. You ever prayed a prayer like that? I, I, think, I think the world prays prayers like that. I think all of us pray prayers like that. I think all of us have this great expectation and anticipation that God shows up when we need him. And if he doesn't, we draw our own conclusions about God. 
In fact, one of the conclusions we draw about God is the same as the ancient Greeks. The number one characteristic that they used to ascribe to the higher being, the supernatural, the all-powerful God, the number one characteristic that they used was the word apatheia. That's where we get our word apathy. A God that is distant, far away, isolated, uninvolved, uncaring, unloving, compassionless. Have you ever felt like that about God? I think we often feel that way because we are tempted to see God as the great preventer. The preventer of death, the preventer of suffering, the preventer of pain or divorce or cancer, the the great preventer of loss. And when God doesn't prevent, we are ushered into this reality of, well, then God must not care, must not love me, must not see me, must not hear me, must not pay attention to me or the people that I love. You know, as I wrote this message, it took me back to one of the darkest seasons, probably the darkest season of my entire life. I grew up in Chicago. I loved growing up in Chicago, uh, kind of bustling suburb and subdivision. I had tons of friends. I liked my school where I was at. I was getting my feet underneath me. I was excited about the future. I, I loved just the life that I had, the life that we enjoyed financially. We were in good shape as a family. We had extra. There was an abundance. I mean, every, everything about life was just great. And then my dad got a call for his job, and so he, we ended up moving as a family from Chicago suburbs uh, to a small town in Michigan, and everything in my life turned upside down. I, I went from being super connected and having a ton of friends to being totally isolated, totally alone, lived in the middle of a cornfield. I, I hated my jobs, I hated school, I hated church, I hated being around my family. The level of dysfunction that was there was toxic. I mean, it was painful, it was, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And I remember praying over and over, going, do you see what's happening? Everything's falling apart, God. I, I grew up in church. I knew all about God. I knew theology. I knew what the Bible said. I, I knew a whole lot, but I, I'm being totally straight with you. I had no interest in a relationship with him. It kept getting worse and worse and worse. God, if you're a great preventer, you're not doing a great job. I remember I was driving from my parents' home to college. I went to Grand Valley. I got halfway there, and I remember I was just so overcome just with pain, with sorrow, sadness, with guilt and shame for all of the ways that I was just running and doing my own life, trying to self-medicate and self-help. And I I remember I was so overwhelmed. I pulled over in some no-name town in a no-name parking lot, and I threw my car in park, and I just wept. And there's a feeling of like, will people even notice or care if I'm not here anymore? God, do you even care? Do you care about the suffering? Do you care about the pain? Do you care about the guilt? Do you care about me and my situation right now? Do you care at all? I had zero desire for a relationship with him. I was broken. I was as good as dead. No hope, no excitement, no life, no joy. Just dead. It's it's like I, I get Mary and Martha in this story. I understand where they're coming from. I mean, this is 
This is how the story continues to unfold. Jesus said to her, talking to Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Here's what Martha's saying without saying it. Jesus, I don't want to talk theology. I already know theology. I, I know. He's going to live at the last day. When the Messiah comes, he, he will live again. I know. Here, here's what she's not saying, but she is saying it, right, between the lines. But he's dead now. I don't want to talk Bible. I don't want to talk theology. I don't want to talk all of the philosophy up here, Jesus. He's dead. And here's what Jesus said to her. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. It's this bold statement. He inserts himself right into the deepest part of her pain. And he says this, I am the resurrection. Not I do resurrections. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he looks at her, do you believe this? He's saying, do you, do you believe this about me? It's the same decision you're gonna have to answer here in a couple minutes. What, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe he's capable of? Is Jesus the actual resurrection and life? Or is he a good teacher and good prophet and good traveler? And he, he's just, he, Jesus is nice. Jesus looks her right in the eye and he says, do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Because if you believe that I am, then you know I can do. God's not the great preventer of our lives. Here's why Jesus needed her to understand who he actually was because of this. Because death is the only path to resurrection. That's it. The reason we can celebrate the good news of Easter is because death also took place. Death is the only path. It's the only way to resurrection. Without death, there is no resurrection. Jesus, in this bold declarative statement to Mary, to Martha, to the onlookers, to the grievers, to Lazarus, to all of us today, the declaration that Jesus makes is, with me, there's life. With me, there's resurrection. With me, death never gets the last word. Why? Because I am the resurrection and the life. In 1922, imagine a hospital floor full of children, totally comatose, unconscious uh, because of a thing called diabetic ketoacidosis. So 1922, it looks somewhat like this, old gurneys and a whole room, a whole floor. Imagine like this big room full of hospital beds with children all unconscious and their parents are next to them, destroyed, weeping, calloused, hardened, numb, I mean, it, helpless. If you've ever had a child go through surgery, if you've ever had a child that had a life-threatening accident or injury or any, you, you know the helpless feeling that you have as a parent sitting there begging God, please don't be late. So this whole room, right, 1922, all of these kids are, are basically slowly dying. They enter into a coma. 
and then eventually they die. Scientists walk into the room. They have this brand new extract, and it's called insulin. And they start injecting child after child after child after child after child. And the parents, as they're watching their child die, what's also dying is the dreams and the memories and the hopes for a future and excitement about what's coming next. What, what they're seeing is this is the end of a chapter book. Maybe even theirs. And as the, as the scientists get to the, to the very last child, the first child wakes up and their eyes open. Slowly but surely, one after another, after another, after another, after another, their eyes open. They begin talking. They begin smiling. They begin laughing. The parents become overwhelmed with what is happening in the room. They keep seeing more and more kids that are coming alive, and it spurs on this whole excitement. The room that was originally full of death and gloom was overtaken by spirit of life and joy and hope. All from this tiny little extract called insulin. It gave these parents, these children, a new run at life. Imagine how that scene would have changed everything, especially if it was your kid. Jesus is at the tomb of Lazarus. And what Jesus sees is the desperation like the parents in 1920, 1922. He sees the desperation. He sees the brokenness. He sees the hopelessness. In fact, one of the shortest verses in all of the Bible, it says this, Jesus looked and he saw all of the people and he saw the weeping and he saw the brokenness and he saw the impact of death. And here's the, one of the shortest verses that says this, Jesus wept. He just wept at the impact of death, at the impact of sin, at the effect of brokenness, at what it did to families and hearts and lives and futures, Jesus wept. Not exactly an apathetic God. Jesus was so moved by the people that he looks up and as he wipes the tears from his eyes, he says, move the stone. Roll it away. You imagine the bus, the bustling confusion, like what? Move the stone of the tomb of the dead man who's been in there for four days? Jesus says, move the tomb. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and he said, he prayed. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew exactly that you always heard me hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. Jesus is drawing attention to what's about to happen. He's pointing at himself, but he's also pointing at his heavenly father. He's saying, get this, understand this, know this. I want you to believe this, that what I'm doing right now is because I'm in unison. I'm tied together. I'm operating with my heavenly father. And he does it for the benefit of everybody standing there just like it is for us today. He says that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. He said, Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. 
his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face, Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Can you imagine the scene? I'd be terrified. I mean, it's like the walking dead. He comes out, he's so dead, he can't take off his own clothes. You imagine how stiff he would have been. Here comes a dead man walking out of the grave, four days dead. And what Jesus did is he pointed to his heavenly father, he pointed to himself, and then he said, check this out. Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. They will live. Just like he asked Martha, I believe he asks you today, do you believe this? Do you believe this? It's awesome as a story. Do you 
I just want you to close your eyes. Let's let's have a moment, just us and God. Let this just be private, just us and God. If you believe that, I I just want to lead you through this prayer, through this declaration, just you and Jesus. I just want you to repeat after me, Jesus. Lazarus, dead in the tomb. 
deader than dead, hears the voice of Jesus and call his name. And Lazarus has a decision. He stands up. He walks out of the grave. The day that I gave my life to the Lord was the most significant and important day of my entire life. It was the exact same thing. The speaker said, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, I want to invite you to stand up. And I stood up in that day marked my life. We didn't want to cheat of that opportunity. Just make a bold statement. To put a stake in the ground and declare, I have a new life because of Jesus. So, can we cheer for this? Church, are you ready for this? We'd love to cheer you on and celebrate you. So on the count of three, if you've made a decision today, I'd like to invite you to stand up. So, church, let's do it together. Can we count together? So one, two, three. Give it up, even if it's just one. Even if it's one. We want to celebrate you. We hope this message encouraged you to know who God is and who you are in Him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com slash next. We look forward to connecting with you there, and we'll see you back here next week.